Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to the side who scored twice at Petaudry for the first time in almost six years, Heart of Midlothian. I am Laurie Dunsire, full of positivity despite defeat at the weekend, joined by another man who I'm sure will be answering the call of the masses and also be full of positivity, Mark Donaldson. Measured positivity, <laughs> I would suggest, this week. Better than I thought on Sunday. Uh, however, you're talking about Aberdeen conceding two goals at home for the first time since, I don't know, what, November 2013? Yeah, anyway. also yeah. yeah, they also scored three goals against us at home for the first time <laughs> since 2001. So it's going to be that type of show. There will be measured positivity. We're not going to be as doom and gloom as, as we were last last week, but there will be some home truths and some honesty. Uh, a lot of different variety of things today to look forward to, so looking forward to this. Yes, there's been quite a few polls going through the week. Uh, one of them was, uh, which I put on Twitter, was how should Laurie and Mark appro- approach this week's show following the match against Aberdeen? Um, only 19% wanted us to be miserable sods as usual. And eighty-one uh, percent wanted a bit of optimism, please. Okay, let's, so let's give you some. we will we will have a bit of optimism this week, but there will be some realism as well after a defeat, still a defeat, um, as we assess the game against Aberdeen and look ahead to Hearts' next match against Ross County. We will talk about some of your Aberdeen away days stories and a couple of other things uh, over the next hour or so. <laughs> So first up, Aberdeen Hearts, the opening match of the Scottish Premiership season for the Dons and the Jambos took place on Sunday afternoon, uh, with Aberdeen, of course, being in Europa League action a few nights prior to that. Uh, So before we get stuck into it, let's listen back to the goals from the game at Pataudry. He's going to give a free kick and Berra caught under a long ball, Cosgrove coming in on the left, chance for the big striker, slips it past the goalkeeper and in. Aberdeen open the scoring and Sam Cosgrove continues where he left off midweek. It's his seventh of the season already. Christoph Berra caught under a long ball. He got his head to it but could only send it back towards his own box. Zlamal just slightly hesitated. I thought he was going to come for it. And Cosgrove coming in on the angle just rolled it underneath the Hearts goalkeeper. And it's Aberdeen 1, Hartsville. Sam Cosgrove with his first league goal of the season, seventh overall. Hearts do have a throw, as Andrew says, about 10 yards from the corner flag, coming down the right. Michael Smith lofts into the box. Flicked in the area on a diving header, and Stephen Naismith with an instant impact! Oh my, welcome back, Stephen Naismith. Long throw, flicked on by Halkett, and Naismith diving in with a clinical header. Aberdeen 1, Hearts 1. Hearts are on the attack now, Gazer driving forward, into Walker in the area, chance for Walker, slips it past the keeper, and off the post and in! Hearts have turned it around! Jamie Walker, who has had a very quiet afternoon, slips it past Joe Lewis! And it's Aberdeen 1, Hearts 2, Walker's third goal at Petaudry! Cosgrove against Zlamal, in front of the Richard Donald stand. Cosgrove steps up, good penalty, goes to the left. Aberdeen 2, Hearts 2. And now you would favour... Aberdeen in the closing 10 minutes or so. 
2-2. Here go Aberdeen. Lee on the left. Takes on Walker. Clipped into the area. Finds McGinn. Flicked on. Chance. Head towards goal and in! It's Ryan Hedges who smacks it in with five minutes to go. His first goal for Aberdeen. And that's a really smart finish by the Welsh international. Niall McGinn did really well. Almost dummied it across goal. And Ryan Hedges on his left foot batters that into the roof of the net. Bobby Zomar with very little chance, plenty of pace on the shot. And the Aberdeen substitute looks to have turned this game in the favour of the home side now. So there you have it, five goals shared between Aberdeen and Hearts. Not uh, what you usually see in these encounters in recent years. Certainly not uh, Aberdeen scoring three at home, as as, um, Mark mentioned. Or certainly Hearts scoring two away to the Dons. The first time Hearts had managed to score more than a single goal at Pataudry since my very first game as Hearts commentator back in 2013. Um, But in the end, still defeat for the Jambos, who... Started the game with three at the back. We thought they might do that, despite having not used that system in pre-season. So it was a 3-4-2-1, well, or maybe a 5-4-1 without the ball, if you want to call it that. Zlamal and goals. Suter, Berra, Halka at the back. Smith and Hickey, wide midfielders, or wing-backs, or full-backs, however you want to look at them. Claire and Irving in the centre. Walker Mulraney providing a bit more, or supposedly providing a bit more attacking impetus with Uche Ikpiezu up front. Um, now, Mark, you've managed to watch back the full game, have you now? Or Yes, yes. Yes, so first half, Aberdeen started the brighter, looked dangerous, opening 20. Hearts, I felt, maybe gave them a bit too much respect. Um, middle of the game, I just kind of described as one big, long foul. Um, but the double change from Craig Levine altered things. Washington and Naismith coming on, being very effective, bit of movement, nice link-up speed, intelligence, they brought Uchi and Walker out of the shell briefly as well, um, so it was a game I kind of, I would say maybe split into four, um, Aberdeen starting better, Hearts giving too much respect, a period of fouls, both sides getting drawn into it, Hearts changing the game slightly with the changes and actually becoming the more, I suppose, attacking team, getting a, a bit of a spell on top, and then post-red card where obviously the momentum completely shifted again so interestingly um, not what I expected from the game I got a bit of stick afterwards for saying I kind of expected a defeat which I think maybe most realist or pessimistic Hearts fans would have expected but at the end I think we played better than what I expected but we still obviously got nothing out of the game I think we were done in by um, a lack of being streetwise uh, in decision making, it was our mm-hmm. own doing, and unfortunately, w- we lost the three points because of that. It was just, it was individual errors uh, when, when making decisions. One, I, I'm not saying it can be excused because age shouldn't come into it if you're if you're kind of good enough, you're old enough. So whether Aaron Hickey's 17 or or 27, when you're playing on that stage that's not the time to, to make your mistakes. And and you'll have to learn from that. The the first one's a yellow card. I've got no complaints about that whatsoever. He obviously feels that he's not got a chance of, of getting back when he's made the trip. The second one, you've got to know when you can and when you can't tackle. So we, we've basically been, been done in in the space of 60 seconds. The, the hickey second yellow, again, no complaints. It's rash, it's inexperienced. 
it's stupidity. Just let the guy go. Sometimes you, you've, you've got to know if you're on a yellow card. Mm-hmm. You've got to assess the danger. Uh, it's, it's risk assessment there. You've got to know what's around you. Is it best to take the red card? Probably not. So don't do it. There's enough bodies in the middle. So he goes off. And then from the free kick, I don't know what Di Camona's thinking. Yeah, um, that to I, me, I, that I, that actually that frustrated worse. me more than the, yeah, the Hickey. Hickey was that, tired. Worse. He's 17. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a rash challenge. But at that point, I mean, I still felt 2-1 ahead if you can get that little period to settle. Uh, take the sting out of the game. You know, everyone's still got the adrenaline pumping in the stands, on the pitch. Um, what you want is a couple of minutes to settle the game down and try and reorganise and regroup. But by conceding the penalty immediately from the free kick, the momentum's carrying. And, and as soon as that penalty was given, I have to say, I thought, we're not getting anything from the game. I, I just kind of felt like they're going to have the momentum. We can't even make any defensive changes now because we've made all three changes. I felt like that's where the game went as soon as that penalty got given. The one thing that, that you said, and I agree with you about the, the, the kind of swings and the roundabouts, the, the four quadrants, uh, although I'm not sure how many... Can you have... You can't have, well, you, Suppose you could have three quadrants and then one missing. <laughs> I suppose quad, the quadrants have to be in, in, in denominations of four. Anyway, you, you were talking about... You were talking about Claire and Irving as... as uh, well, uh, just while reading out the team. We, we discussed last week that is a concern. Because I, I don't see where the the strength of the spine of the team is, um, especially in the middle of the park, and it remains a concern. It's it's it's. I was reading an article by Barry Anderson in the Evening News online um, just before we came on air, talking about the the Glenn Whelan update, but also that Hearts um, are looking to to try and get the Cardiff midfielder Loic Damour as well. Now I've had a look at his past on various websites and, and on YouTube as well. Um, he didn't play much for Cardiff during the Premier League season, but he, he did play a big chunk of games in the Championship. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's, he's more of a protector. Uh, I think you could just quite easily put Whelan and Damour in for Irving to an extent, uh, but definitely for Sean Clare, just, just to give you something right now to beef it up. Because if you've got the protection there, and I know we're going to need a, another left back, um, Probably the kid we, we signed, Eddie White, from, from Leeds will come in for the Ross County game. Yes. Uh, John Souter likely to be out. So that, for me, would, would go back to a, a four at the back um, with Berra alongside Halkett. Are you but jumping ahead got... to my Ross County preview? No, 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 no. I'm, ju- I'm just I'm just try- <laughs> I'm trying to give you a little kind of everything in, in one. So I think we need help in the centre of midfield. I think that was yeah. evident at the weekend. But the positives are, are Jamie Walker scoring again. Uh, and just hearts looking lively again, but we—it was typical that Naismith scored with his first touch, because yeah. if if ever a, a player um, showed his importance and how much he is missed when he doesn't play to a football club, it was Naismith. And, and, and I agree with you as well. I think I loved the through ball from Uche. I thought that was that that for me. That's more of what we saw last season than more of what we've already seen or not seen this season. So. Yeah, positives, negatives, plenty to work on. I think it's telling that um, Uche suddenly had a, a contribution to the game, a, a positive contribution to the game like that when Naismith came on. Um, it just everything it brought out the it brought more out of everyone around him, and I think Washington extent had a, had a big impact in that as well, just with his he move. Did. Both of them, I just thought the way that they just having that kind of that 
now start just that awareness of where to run to draw players in. I mean, even the the second goal, obviously Naismith comes in from the the left hand side. It, it's not a it's not defence splitting pass he plays, but you can see he just looks up and he knows who to pick out very quickly. Finds Uche and suddenly he's got room and he plays a good assist. Whereas before that, I just thought Uche would just get drawn into a stupid battle with Scott McKenna, just battling for just. It was just a, bo- a wrestling match. There was no real cohesion or thought about how we were going to try and break them down. He was just battling for position where I suddenly dropped back in and, and created something because yeah. the likes of Washington, Naismith can draw defenders around. They're not just going to not going to try and get in a physical battle with Scott McKenna because well, they'll probably lose it because Naismith and Washington aren't the biggest of attackers, but they're smarter. So I think the difference was, as you said, it was just so tangible and um, yeah, when when they both came on, I mean, I thought we looked on top. You know, we went one one, and the whole complexion changed. Washington flashed another shot just wide, and I felt like, r- right, let's 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 push on from here. And look, Jamie Walker was very quiet. Let's be honest; he had a very quiet game overall. But <laughs> Jamie Walker is not a player that we need to be digging in and and battling for everything. And Sean and, Clare is. Sean Clare in his position we need to, but Jamie Walker playing in maybe the 10 role or the kind of attacking midfield behind the striker. If Jamie Walker has three or four flashes in the game and he's finishing like that, well, that's fine. That's what we yep. need from him. We don't need him to be the worker in the middle of the park, uh, you know, battling away. That's J- Jamie Walker is a flair player and we know he can finish. And when he was at his best for Hearts, he wasn't always contributing constantly. It's like we talk about Scatchel before. Scatchel did bugger all for large spells of games but he picked the ball up and rattled it in the back of the net and no one cared about maybe the previous hour that he maybe had sat there with his shoulders slumped waiting for someone to pass him the ball so I don't think Walker's an issue for me if he can if he can come up with finishes like that that's fine but yeah the problem's in the middle of the park and if by the time someone's listening to this or certainly by the time we get to the weekend if we have a Glenn wheeling in or or maybe the chat from from Cardiff you mentioned do we throw them in? Because I mean, yeah, I straight away. Glenn Whelan okay. played almost forty games for Aston Villa last season. I know a lot of Villa fans. I saw comments when he was linked with us saying, "I would have kept him for the Premier League." Villa Villa fans commenting with that. Played for Ireland in in June as well in a competitive international. He's you're not looking for ninety minutes from him. No. If you're starting. You're not going to bring him on. I, I, I don't. If you're going to have a game plan, you start with him and you give him an hour. You build him up. As, as Hearts have done with with other players in, in pre-season. I, for someone like that, he, I think when you get to that age, you're a starter for an hour rather than a sub for 30 minutes. Uh, I was uh, I totally agreed with, with Craig Levine's comments about Naismith um, in that if he was questioned why did he start on the bench, he felt that with Stephen, he was going to be able to have a, a much more of an impact off the bench for half an hour than potentially he was if, if Hearts were down with half an hour to go and he'd played an hour, he would have had to probably take him off as opposed to Hearts being um, down after an hour and he, you could bring him on and then he scores. So that was fine. The, the one thing about Naismith I want to say, and it's to do with Aaron Hickey as well, it hasn't really been spoken about by many um, since the game. Naismith scores and they're all celebrating and he's, he's, he's having a word with Aaron Hickey. Hickey gets sent off. Naismith goes across him and he walks him over. I, I, I don't think you can underestimate the importance. He, he's an on-field manager. 
Stephen Naismith. Whatever yeah. he goes on yeah. to do in his career, hopefully he's a successful manager. If he's not, he'll be a really good coach if he wants to stay in the game because he is invaluable to our younger players. And whether it's the Presley Webster or whether it's the, the, the Berra Presley back in the day, one learning from the other, everyone's going to learn from Stephen Naismith. It's just great that he's back. So the measured positivity uh, is the fact that, and, and you're right, the, the realistic Hearts fans probably expected a defeat, but they were hoping that there was there was something we could take from the game. There was, but it's Tony Brown's written in the Evening News this week in his piece. It's more about Ross County now. It's about taking those positives. It's about building. It's about getting the three points. Because after that, a trip to Motherwell in the League Cup and then a trip to Celtic, it's vital that we get the three points. And if we do, it will set us up nicely for, for the trip to Fur Park. And Aberdeen are the side, I know Kilmarnock finished third, but realistically Aberdeen are the side that Hearts are looking to compete with because they've been best of the rest or they've been second over the last kind of five or six seasons with McInnes. And, you know, bar that moment of, I suppose, maybe naivety or just tired challenge from a 17-year-old, I think Hearts are in a very good position to hold out for a 2-1 away win there to aside that I, I think it was very even I think a draw on the balance of play would have been a pretty fair result and I, I think just to compete at that and maybe maybe our expectations have been lowered a bit too much a few people said that to me that we're going to Petaudry and we lose and we've got some positivity to take from it but I guess it's taken it step by step isn't it that that's more positive than what we've seen in, in recent years because yes. even the draws we've had at Petaudry recently have very much been a let's have a backs to the wall, create a battle, and we have been guilty of kicking them off the park a couple of times. I think both teams were at it on Sunday, to be honest. A lot of Aberdeen, a lot of Aberdeen fans tell me that I'm blinkered with that, but I think in the end it, it turned into an absolute foul fest by both teams, and Aberdeen could easily have had a red card as well. Well, look, look, looking at that, four yellow cards apiece. So that tells you some of the story even when Willie Miller admits a draw was probably a fair result, then I mean, oh, he's, he's got his red glasses on, but he, he, he <laughs> still, he still lazily uses the oh, big physical hearts and oh. what to expect, which is, which is it's frustrating. It's lazy journalism or you could journalism in the loosest possible uh, form. Uh, the, the one thing I would say about Uche, and I know you're talking about Aberdeen could have had a guy off as well. Sometimes in football, you get those, or oof moments when Uche went for that challenge and he he was like a a bulldozer and he cemented was it McKenna yes that he put on the deck or was it Considine I think it was McKenna McKenna yeah um was it a yellow or a red (laughs) was it excessive force was it reckless it was reckless there was some excessive force in there so if he'd been given a red it would have been well, a yellow would probably suffice, but I can see why it's been given. But thankfully, he, he was he was more of the kind of um, less of the battering ram and, and more of the footballer when Naismith came on. I think the thing is with that challenge, it's it's clumsy. I I, I would I thought the ref got that one right. I don't think there's much. Probably, into, probably. He's looking he's looking at the ball and he basically just charges into McKenna. Unfortunately. Uche is so big that when you charge into someone at full Yes, force. it might look worse than it actually was. Whereas uh, but it was, Lewis it was Ferguson Lewis Ferguson led right with the elbow and cracked it right into the head of a Hearts player and only got a yellow and that was yeah, leading. Yeah. So I thought that could easily have been a red card another day. But this big, this big physical Hearts and oh, oh, poor, no, poor little Aberdeen 
Um, we had a message from Andy Grant. He took the time to email, so I'll just read out some of his thoughts on the game. Um, so Aberdeen away, I'm looking at a point, listening to the BBC, it was very much the same old hearts, robust and doing nothing special until the one man entered the pitch, which I'm sure we're talking about Naismith. Then it became exciting, and at 2-1 I was pulling off the M8 Junction 1, heading to the guile, shaking the shaking the van and honking the horn whilst oh, battering goodness. the steering wheel. Uh, this sounds quite unsafe. We don't condone um, this kind of driving, Andy, although we understand the excitement. Um, you yeah. might not. You condone it. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> yes, the hearts are back. Unfortunately, we went back to the dross very quickly. Um, he's had a couple of points afterwards. He says, criticism... Um, Zlomal is a horrific keeper, discussed many times. Yes, the line is high for the first goal, but Berra does well to knock it away from the Aberdeen attack and make Bobby favourite for the ball. A better keeper is out um, and, and onto that, either into the stand or into his arms. Um, I would say with that one, I think Zlomal is partly at fault. I think he should have come for the ball. I don't think Berra does well. I think Berra is at fault as well. I think they're both at fault. I think he misjudges the ball over the top and he's then stretching for it. So I think you can put blame at the I will should say the head and the, f- the head of Berra and the feet of Zlamal. I think you can probably blame them both equally maybe for that one or am I being kind on or harsh on Berra? I think we can look at this from a broader picture and it's subjective. It, it, I think there's, there's blame from both but the, the broader picture would, would be thus. We have two goalkeepers. Neither is good enough. That, that's, my, that's my opinion. You can disagree with it if you want. I think the majority would, would probably agree with it. He's not good enough. He, he's not reliable enough in that some days he might, he might save you a couple of points, but there's a ricket in there. And his decision-making... His decision-making for me is, is the weakest part of his game. Yeah. Cup final. Coming, stopping, go back, oh, come again. The, the, there was that... I mean... It, it was like a Jehovah Witness at your door. How many times you got to knock before A, you got answered and told to beat it, or B, it doesn't get answered before you just stop going there? <laughs> Come on, d- decision making, just move on. Go, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of of, of Bobby Zamal. I think he's a he's a good shot stopper. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. he, for me, he's he's not an all round um, reliable goalkeeper. Uh, but it, that isn't our biggest concern right now. Uh, if you're looking at it from a bigger picture, you look at him signing. That was that was the issue. He had been identified as the best option out there at the mm-hmm. time, which is more of a concern. So he he for me he's he's not a good goalkeeper um, when it comes to decision making is concerned. And the other thing is, better now. Th- this is this is when it gets difficult for a journalist, and when you've got to separate the, I know him, he's a good lad, but objectively, um, is he the best option available? Look, if we're playing four later on in the season when everybody's fit, I know I was trying to fit the three centre-backs in somewhere or the other. I've now kind of decided that our, our best two centre-backs, when everybody is fit, because it's going to be better and it's going to be Halkett, and I've got no problem with that whatsoever against Ross County. But if we're picking two from three, it's Suter for me alongside Halkett in a back four and yeah. going forward, way down the line, with a new goalkeeper in behind them. Uh, Andy did send us quite a lot. I'm not going to be able to go through it all, but um, just uh, positives, he said. When we made the attacking change, it was exactly that. We kept real attacking threat on the park and went for it. Not the standard Craig Levine stub, sub of like for like. 
The positive from this is that when these two start, we will be a handful as Naismith's Intel is different level and even Uche looked a lot better, especially on the lead up to the second. We scored two away goals and showed character to get back level and ahead and Irving gets a lot of plaudits. He says, although a fair few criticisms over positives, I'm largely more positive going into next week uh, than I was going into Aberdeen. I will happily now accept three points and defeating Motherwell from the above. Can't see us taking anything at Celtic, so that's a bonus if we do. Anything less for me, and it has to be Craig Levine Jotters, and we move on. Uh, but some positives there from Andy, which is good, yeah. and I agree that when Washington and Aismith play, we will be a very different uh, a very different animal. I think that's a really good um, email or, or tweet or whatever it was you got from Andy. I think, I, I think it, it, it touches on a, a number of things. Um, the whole Levine thing, that that had nothing to do with Levine. Levine did everything he was asked to do. Yeah, he, got, he, yeah. subs, he subs right. And for it, it, it's like if, you, if you've got a bee in your bonnet, if, if you're, right, this is the way I am, and I'm not deviating from that thought. If you don't like Craig or whatever, then that's fine. Is he the best solution for the job right now? Again, it depends on, on, on who you are. But you cannot apportion any blame for once that, that game kicked off on, on Sunday to, to Craig Levine because everything he was asked to do or should have done in his role, I think he got right. Again, going forward, as, as I said last week, he's on a shorter leash. Um, but it, it, it's a case of it'll, just, it'll silence those that want him out for, for another week. That's fine. There will come a time where I'm not be able to say that and the stuff he, he does during games and his substitutions are, are maybe wrong. Just because you, you either want Craig Levine out or you want him to stay, probably the majority right now want him out. Fine, I've, I've got no issue with that whatsoever, but don't try and pin that defeat on Sunday on Craig Levine. That was individual errors and it was poor decision-making from players that should know better. Okay, moving on... Uh... But sticking I like how with... you do that. You're, you're like a you're like a nice school teacher. You've you've heard from your class, and you're not <laughs> saying whether you agree or don't agree with them. You're just saying, okay, moving on. I like that. I like that's one of the mannerisms you have that I like. <laughs> just one of a, one of few, or don't push it, son. Just get on with it. <laughs> uh, but sticking with Aberdeen as a subject matter, last week Mark uh, posed the homework question of your favourite Aberdeen away days or a story from an Aberdeen away day but not related to the action on the park. So uh, we had some responses to this. So let's go through some now. Um, Andy Grant, who sent me a very long email, covered this as well. Um, and Andy says, uh, his story is not a game against Aberdeen but the Cove trip last season. Of course, Hearts played Cove Rangers in the Betfred Cup at the start of last campaign and Cove of course are based within Aberdeen um, so he says uh, as a group we went up and stayed over £25 each and that included train travel and a carry out perks of having a train employee in the group so almost like a good deal uh, we set off around 2pm from Waverley and straight to Diggs dumped the bags and out down towards the Altons area it's a cracking day and we're all in shorts and t-shirt and in high spirits. New team, new season, new ground to visit. Of course, Hearts were uh, playing at the Balmoral Stadium, Cove Rangers' new ground. So we are in a beer garden and having a laugh. Plenty of drinks flowing. We are pretty much first in the pub. Swells with Hearts fans and then empty, so we are last. Crap, time to move. Where the hell is the ground? 
Someone Googled it and we're off at a fast pace with five minutes to kick off. I'll probably add at this point, if people didn't know, Cove Rangers had only just built this ground. That was the first season they were using it, which is probably where some of these problems then came from. Uh, Google had us heading out the wrong way towards the old ground and a taxi pulls up and says, it's the other way. Two of our group are at the toilet, um, walking out of the pub laughing, saying, idiots, it's this way. So they walk into an industrial estate. Uh, they can see floodlights, so they're on the right path, but they get to the end of the road. It turns out it's not the right path. There's a field with high grass between them and the stadium. Uh, I see, he sees what looks like a this, man-made... This, be- this better not involve sheep. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, Andy says, I see what looks like a man-made path and say, look, folks, we'll go through there. Two of us go and three go around the longer way. Of the two that went in, one bottled it halfway and ran back, leaving Andy on his own. Uh, I fire on and I'm jagged to feck on the legs and end up falling into what has to be the worst coloured stream I've ever seen. It was, He says it was hiding in the long grass. So now one leg is soaked. I finally get to the turnstile. Oh, and by the way, hearts are one up and my ticket is not on me and I can't see my mates around and can't get anyone on the phone. Steward sent me in to buy another ticket. So my entry was now £20. Uh, so I get into a fairly busy hearts end and there's no banking to allow short arses of view. So cue the rage. Try to get into the seating area as stewards were having none of it uh, as... Drunk, soaking me, chucks toys out the pram, so I leave the stadium at halftime shouting, hope you hope you don't get up, stadium's a, a bleep hole. Um, I had seen behind the goal, other goal a big hill outside and hearts were going to shoot that way second half, so that was my plan. Could I find this hill? Could I bleep? <laughs> so it was a taxi back to the hotel and showered and back to town where the boys finally arrived. Had a good night and we won, so hey ho all the way to Cove and hardly saw a ball kicked. So I think in amongst that, we basically got that Andy had to wade through streams in a field, um, pay for two tickets, couldn't see the game, uh, got chucked out for losing his rag at the stewards, um, and then just went on the piss. I think he'd been on the piss before, don't you? Oh, I think he said that, yeah. Yes. Um, bit of a disaster, yeah. Have you ever not... Have you ever basically barely seen a game that you were going to see? I was late for Dumbarton away, League Cup tie, Tuesday or Wednesday night, mid-90s, 95 maybe. Um, we ended up in somebody's garden amidst their washing because the driver, we were late. Um, I don't know if it was a Penny Good Carters bus or what it was. We were late and he, he, he couldn't find the old bog head. This isn't the new, the rock, where you just look yeah. for the rock and then find it. Uh, this was the old bog head, and he was going round in circles, and the game had obviously started. It might have been a 7.30 kickoff, and it was late, or we were late for it. So he just, like I said, like, piss off, get out. Um, and we were in the middle of a cul-de-sac, and we kind of, because it was a, it would have been an August or September time, um, because it was early in the season, so there were no floodlights. But we, we could hear the kind of noise. So we we thought, we'll do a, we'll do a, a run through somebody's garden amidst the knickers and God knows what was on their, <laughs> their line. And we, I think it was probably 20 minutes late we were for that one. That's probably the latest I've been to a game because you know what buses are like um, in that you pretty much always for away travel, you, you go somewhere. You've, I, I'm just speaking on behalf of when I went with Pennycook Hearts, but I assume they're all the same and that you, you, you find a pub or you know there's a pub beforehand that you're going to go to, so you're pretty early. But this was one of these... There's, no, there's nothing worse than trying to get through Glasgow at Russia, and we got stuck in it. 
So the arranged pub that we'd uh, been hoping to go to was a no-no, and we were still outside the stadium or somewhere in the vicinity of the stadium after kickoff. So we made it. Can't remember if we missed a goal or, or whatever, um, but we did end up in through someone's garden. Um, and I don't know how many, I can't remember how many there were of us. And I've never missed a game because of something like that. Jake Moran, uh, St. Pat's. I think I've told this story before. Um, slept through the game. Um, <laughs> I say slept through the game. He never he never woke up from this, the 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 drink um, imbued stupor that he was in <laughs> from the night before. So yeah, he missed the game at St. Pat's in in '88. Um, but I, I, what about you? You you ever missed a game because you were pissed or the bus driver got lost? Not for either of those reasons. I missed the first half of Scotland Croatia because of traffic. Um, we listened to the national anthem in the car. Uh, it was a nil nil as well. Still under um, Craig Brown at that point. Uh, I missed a game, a commentary. The only, I guess commentary game I've missed that was due to go to uh, because I was still staying up in Aberdeen and all the trains were cancelled for a few hours because unfortunately someone had thrown themselves on the track um, so couldn't get through Um, no my mate did fall asleep at Hearts Rangers once like you said and was woken up by Ryan Stevenson scoring the winning goal (laughs) And then acted as if he knew how the game had been going before then, celebrating with us. Um, but he'd definitely been asleep for a little while. Uh, but Craig, no. can I, can, can I, <laughs> sorry, can I interject with a homework right now for next week? Yes, go for it. Goals that you've missed because you've left early. Just when you're talking about that, it just got me thinking. And I don't know why I'm thinking of Willie Jimison goal against Celtic at Tynecastle to equalise. And, and you can't claim that you saw the goal if you were walking, having sat in the wheat field, because remember, there was no stand behind the goal. It was being done up, the Roseburn stand. It was, it was being built. So there was the tarpaulin that was meant to prevent you from seeing the action. So were you one of those who was, you'd given up, you thought Hearts were going to lose 1-0, you'd made your way behind the, the goal where the Roseburn stand is now, and you, you celebrated because everyone else was celebrating in a maroon scarf, but you had no idea what the goal was like. <laughs> have, have you either missed a goal because you've left or didn't see a goal even if you were in the stadium because you had left? We haven't done that before, have we? I don't think we have. I did mention, okay. I think I mentioned before that for the 4-4 game, I didn't get to that even though we had tickets because it was it was actually New Year's Day that game was on, um, I think, or it was the first or the second. And... The train was cancelled. The only train that could get us from Stonehaven we were at, staying at that uh, evening. So we couldn't go. The next train didn't get us into Haymarket until I think it was about 20 past four or something. So we would have only got the last five, ten minutes by the time we got to Tynecastle. And we, we listened to the game. That was that was enough. Well, that's what we, we listened to the game. And as <laughs> soon as it went 4-4, my first thought I said to my mate, so... We could have seen four goals if we'd got that next train. Yeah. But you obviously, you don't tend to go two and a half hour journey to see the last 10 minutes of a match. Uh, but yeah, maybe slight regret about that one. I missed three goals um, at Livingston away, not because I was late or because I left, but because I was queuing for refreshments and Hart scored three I, goals. I, <laughs> I did that. I did that. At, I missed all of our goals. BP Youth Cup final. 92, 93, we won 3-1 at Ibrox. And they totally underestimated how many Hearts fans would be in attendance at that game. 
there were, I don't know how many, but there were loads more than they expected. I think they maybe had two kiosks open for food. And we, I'm sure <laughs> we were at, yeah, like turnstiles at Rugby Park. But that's another story. Oh, what about today? Oh, but they did this. They jumped on disabled roofs as well. Come on now. Anyway, they had very few uh, kiosks open. So it was it was one of these that I probably went twice because I wasn't standing for like 40 minutes. Um, probably went first in the, uh, in the first half and then went back later. Yeah, but missed all three goals. But that that was a right good team. I know we're off on a uh, we're off on a tangent, but that was a proper team. Your you Kevin are. Thomas, your Paul Rich. Yeah, okay, okay. Just just a just a good team. Um, wh- where did this all start? How, how did how did we get into this? Okay, oh yeah, trip to Aberdeen. Moving on. Next one. Um, moving on. JT tweets says while studying in Dundee, me and my jambo friend decided to embark on our first away day together in the Granite City. We were picked up on the motorway in the pissing rain 30 minutes late. We walked onto the bus and were met with living hell. Uh, The then young Hearts team, we were charged £20 more than quoted over the phone and had no seat for the long journey. The bus dunk to high heavens of BO and urine um we decided it would be a sensible idea to sit as far away from them during the match uh, i'm sure hearts lost 2-1 but that and that game and probably played pretty poorly after the game we met at the agreed meeting point for the bus pickup but there was no bus to be seen we decided to walk a little down the road to see if we could see the bus and we did surrounded by no little than well no fewer than seven police officers on horses one stupid member of the young team had let off a pyrotechnic which popped off into a young Hearts fan's face where he was taken swiftly to A&E. Jeez. Me and my friend's name and photo were taken by the police but thankfully nothing came of it for us. Uh, we had just bought a 20 crate of beer for a party we were going to in Dundee that night which was swiftly taken off us by an officer. The driver of the coach was furious and demanded the payment up front. Mysteriously there was over £100 missing from the collection. Uh, police escorted the coach all the way from Aberdeen to Dundee and then probably on to Edinburgh. The moral of the story is don't book a seat on a bus with wee fannies. <laughs> Goodness. Um, any interesting supporter coach experiences for you? Or you, as, you, you were usually on the Pennycook one, weren't you? Yeah, we, the bus broke down one day, so we ended up... I can't remember what happened. Was it the bus or the car? Something happened and we had to get back from Kilmarnock after the midweek game. No, nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were if I have enough time to think about it. But <laughs> just uh, going to away games, um, the most, I'm not saying special, but when we beat Celtic at Hamden in 94-5, I think it was, when they played there um, for the season when David Hagen scored, I don't think uh, I've, I've travelled to a game with fewer expectations of doing something. Um, and, and then being surprisingly rewarded with a win. It's funny, that seems to have happened quite a lot to Hearts over the last um, maybe decade or so, especially Easter Road, um, when we've just had very, very few. Was there a Zalukas? Did Zalukas score or was he the captain? Was it a 1 0 and he scored, Laurie? You, I'm sure Road. you might have. Yeah. Yeah, it was when they were celebrating the League Cup. That was it. We, we spoiled the party in. That, that was it. <laughs> No one expected anything from that. Those are the best wins. The wins are great, but if you're expected to win, it's like, oh yeah, great. Like Ross County at the weekend. <laughs> We're damned if we don't win that. There'll be all hell to pay um, in social media and whatever, and on this podcast next week. But 
it's it's like the Aberdeen game. If we'd won two one, it just it gives you kind of your shoulders are just more upright and you're just you're in a better position or better place because you're happy with with what you've just seen. Um, the the Celtic win, the Hibs at Easter Road. I mean, it's, it's like in, in, in the fortnight's time or whenever it is. If we go to Celtic and we get something, it just sets you up for the season ahead. Nothing better than unexpected points or, or wins. Mental Scott, uh, he says he remembers in the arcades seeing Dave Bowman playing the fruit machine. It's also so long to, to, so long to get there, me and my mate would end up fighting on the bus with boredom. This is to Aberdeen. It happened all the time. People just laughed and helped pick our change of coins as they'd be all over the bus. Uh, so Dave Bowman what? playing the fruit machines. Um, where? In the arcades in Aberdeen, I assume. Oh, yeah, because that's gone back to where we were initially, but days out in Aberdeen. That's what we're talking what? about. Come on. I know. I know. Focus. Down at the beach run, the beach ballroom and all that. Aye. Ewan yeah. Hall, uh, he's got a story, which I'll quickly run through as well, was studying in Aberdeen as a student. This is, by the way, if anyone can, I don't think anyone will ever top an away day story with with how crazy this one gets. I've read it. I, I read it earlier, just just to pre warn you. Uh, Ewan Hall says was studying in Aberdeen as a student with two schoolmates. One a jamble, one a don. Hearts were playing Aberdeen at Petardry, so a group of friends decided to come up and make a weekend of it. We went to the pub, the Bobbin. Uh, and our Aberdeen supporting mate met up with his fellow Don's mates and uh, us with our like-minded Jambo pals from uni. Uh, en route to the stadium, we passed the main entrance of Petardry. We were beckoned across by then-owner and most hated man in the eyes of Jambos, Chris Robinson. He thrust five tickets into my hands and being a poor student, I graciously accepted them and we only had to pay for one of us, which meant more booze money. Anyway, Hart scrapped a 1-0 winner. My memory escapes me who scored it and we sauntered back to the pub to meet the Don's contingent to rub it in. Many drinks passed and a good time was had. We went back to our flat for a few nightcaps. Whilst one drink in, we realised the block of flats is surrounded by police. Uh, Now, we had all been on our... And I'm just going to go to the next page. Best-ish behaviour. Best-ish. So just maybe a little bit naughty, but not too bad. So we were not worried. We look out the window to see a hostage situation across the road with the man shouting and throwing obscenities and objects at the police. I don't think the situation was helped by this happening in front of a student block of flats. Highlights of the incident included the hostage taker throwing the police a copy of The Negotiator and telling the police to get some tips from that. Eventually, the incident ended with the police battering his door down and freeing the poor woman and arresting him. It's still a trip we talk about until this day. Jesus. I'm not even going to ask if you've ever had an away trip that's ended with a hostage situation. Nope. But um, there you go. I think that one is probably not going to be bettered. So um, thank you for that, you. And if there was a prize... I'm sure you'd get it, but there isn't. So just have to take the the credit and and be happy with that. Before we move on to look at Hearts' next game, uh, a couple of subjects from the week. So we're not very good at being doing things in a quick fire fashion, Mark. But concise. we're going to try. We're going to try. Not very so good at being concise. Um, a, a Mr. Kyle Lafferty. Uh, said in the press he would like to come back to hearts after his time with rangers 
ended. Now, we ended up doing two polls on this because I put one on the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter page saying, hypothetically, would you take Kyle Lafferty back at Hearts? I think your results are going to be pretty similar to mine. I got 70% of Hearts fans who responded said yes and 30% said no. And I think, were you about the same? 75-25. So, um, and I would have to say I would be in the majority of that. First off, I don't think it will happen. Um, I'm almost certain it won't happen. I don't think Hearts will sign Kyle Lafferty again. But somebody who scored 19 goals in a Hearts season that had an average season, knows where the back of the, net, back of the net is. He's a big game player. He'd have better attacking players around him. For me, it would be a no-brainer if the decision was with me. It's not with me. I don't know where you sit with it. Yep, same as you. Um, so there it is. A, a completely pointless question, I think, because it won't happen. Um, some interesting comments that Kyle Lafferty says he had to take a pay cut to go to Rangers. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't think that's the case. But um, mm, so sure. <laughs> he was he was really well paid at Hearts. He was, <laughs> and let, let let's just I I don't I don't know specifics. I know he was really well paid. and He was a top earner. I don't think it was uh, the worst thing in the world that not only were Hearts getting a transfer fee, but they were also losing what might even have been, with everything included, uh, five figures a week. So that that was a big it was a big uh, outlay. I I don't know I don't know definites. I obviously do not have relationship with the players, but from what I understand, it certainly wasn't a pay cut. But yeah, there you go. Oh, no. The, the main well, the main thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they structured it in that um, his bonuses at Ibrox. I'm sure it, would, it was far more incentivized for goals and for appearances, and he probably would have ended up with more money at Rangers if he'd played and scored more often than not. Um, the basic uh, the basic Rangers was probably less than the Hearts total, but you can do anything with with statistics. So that's, that's probably how that one went. Uh, the other news was that Gary Naismith, so another Naismith has returned to Hearts, uh, has been appointed as loans manager for the Jambos. <laughs> so, I heard that. I thought we were going back to the Wonga days. Yeah, I know. I know. I was looking at the, the, the same joke. Um, so well, some reactions on this one. So since 1960, tweeted as saying, didn't know such a job existed, but good appointment and makes sense to have someone to keep a close eye on the loan players. He did a Cy Ferry interview recently and seems a good and practical guy, a cup winner, international, English Premier League and lower league experience, future manager. Uh, Feg Bissett, however, says Gary had a good playing and coaching CV and considerations uh, outlined in announcement have merit. However, our coaching technical staff uh, is already bloated relative to other clubs before this hire. If there is additional value being created, the evidence is not at all obvious to me. Um, Maximus Hounds is happy to have him in the club. Would have been happy to have him on the coaching staff to see if he might be a potential manager in future, but if we're still committed to that path. Um, standards uh, he will be used to living and playing uh, by great example for youngsters. Um, David Hitchson says, seems a wise idea. David, we are actually, actually doing the same thing down at Brighton. If it helps make sure our young players in the right environment with the right support can only be a good thing. Although Harry Temple says, not impressed, no offence or disrespect to Gary, but surely with the amount of coaches we have, at least one or two of them should be keeping an eye on our loan players. Surely his wages could be better used to strengthen the team. Um, We've got a few responses, so thanks for everyone to get in touch. That, that last one, Laurie, I mean, come on. 
he's, he's not on a, he's not going to be on a big wage. He'll, he'll be on pennies um, with regards to what the coaching staff staff are on. He'll, it'll be a very small kind of salary. It's just it's this whole finding fault with mm-hmm. with things. It's it's not being done because he's stopping us to sign someone because his wages are, are being used for him instead. Just it just annoys me. Just why can't we have him? We're in talks with two players right now. We're not in talks with three because we can only afford two because Gary Naismith's <laughs> got a job. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, when I first saw it, I was like, he's a what now, sorry? Um, and then I read the article and, you know, when it explains what his remit is, and I was like, you know what? That, that makes a lot of sense. We loan a lot of players out. We maybe need to be more structured about how we loan that. If you read what it says, it talks about the fact that we need to look at the teams we're loaning to make sure it's not above or below the level that player should be at so he's not not getting game time or he's struggling but equally that it's not too straightforward for him so he doesn't improve and also that the team we're loaning to play the right system the right style to get the most out of the player and he can develop the right attributes and also it's just traditionalists Laurie it's those that are like uh, it's people that are like why why have we got a loans manager as you mentioned Dave Eddie Newton was the same at Chelsea just because you haven't heard of something doesn't make it a bad idea. No. And I think, like you say, I, and I don't have any idea about the structure of his contract or how many hours he's due to do. But it's not, like you say, it's not going to be a big player's wage. He might only be, you know, it could be an amount of hours that, that don't mean an awful lot. You know, I don't know if he's on a, a contract basis where it says, well, I had to watch these players for these amount of hours. I don't know. You know, you don't know. I don't know. Um but it's a position which, when I read into it, and then I looked at other clubs, it's very popular in England to do that. It made a lot of sense to me. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. what I think it's it's a lot of people find an easy way to find fault because they don't like how things are managed just now, which is completely 100%. separate. One hundred percent. Completely separate. I think you know, let's see let's see how it goes, and it makes sense to have someone coordinate that if Hearts can put someone in that role. So yeah, um, it was just interesting to see the reactions. I can imagine. If everything was completely rosy on the pitch and there was no gripes to the manager, you would have very little negative responses to that tweet from Hearts. Oh, but, but people would find something to moan about. Probably. <laughs> we all, and I, I'm not putting the blame on anybody and saying, oh, you do this. We all do that. Oh, we're all yes, part of that. We're, yeah. we're all hypocrites. I'm finding myself, <laughs> quick story, I'm finding myself driving out um, from our house to work the other day and I took the, the corner because we, we, we live kind of the end of our street is on a bend. So I, I'm I'm kind of I'm, I know we can't see just now, but I'm waving my hand to this person that's coming flying down the road. It's a thirty mile an hour road, and I'm waving my hand saying, "Slow down, slow down." I'm trying to come out a a, a street. I turn the corner. I'm immediately doing forty five mile an hour on a thirty, and <laughs> I, I'm just it's so it's just so hypocritical. But that's what we are now. We find fault with things, but then when we look at ourselves, well, most well, I say most, a lot of people don't. If you do look at yourself, you think, yeah, I'm probably culpable of that. It's just finding something to be angry about. And it's it's it annoys me that I do it about myself. And it annoys me that other people do it and don't recognise that. Just come on, lighten up a wee bit. And that inc- that's me. I'm never going to criticise others if I can't have a good look at myself. I'm, I'm just as much to blame. But just, just light, lighten up a little bit. You, you, don't, you can post positive responses, you know. So even if you're not happy with the manager or whatever, you can post and say, welcome back, Gary. Good luck. All the best, pal. Hopefully it worked for you. But no, we, we still have to find 
Oh no, should be money for under other players to come in club. Next up, Hearts have a game at Tynecastle uh, against Ross County this coming Saturday. Uh, two sides haven't met since February last year, so not an awful lot um, of use in comparing recent form against them in terms of head-to-head. Although, interestingly, the Hearts side that drew 1-1 at Dingwall in that last meeting in February 2018, the team that started was... McLaughlin, Berra, Smith, Souter, Mitchell, Jume, Cowie, Adau, Callahan, Milinkovic, Lafferty. So only Berra, Smith and Souter remain from that starting 11, which I suppose shows how much our side has been changing season Adau, upon remind season. Remind me, defensive midfielder? Yes, wearing the number 66 Portuguese oh, Angolan, yeah, who mm-hmm. did reasonably well. He was fine. Um, uh, so, Hearts Ross County. I mean, Ross County, they're not a side that are used to losing in recent times. They've lost just one in competitive matches dating back to March, even though most of them have been in the Championship and the Betfred Cup. Still, they'll have that winning mentality going through their team. They disposed of Aki's very comfortably last week and five wins from five this season, including against two Premiership sides. So, not a side that I think we can take lightly, Mark. Decent side, decent side, really good in their first game uh, that they won at the weekend and a team that we're going to have to play well against. But we need to be on the front foot and we need to make sure we're shooting towards the grass in the first half. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah, there's there's obviously been another story which I didn't touch upon about the the state of the Tynecastle pitch. Now, there's a picture that's been shown and Hearts have talked about the fact that they're getting the pitch back in working order. It looks a bit naff just now. Do you know, I don't know if you're in the same boat as me of this, but it's another one of these things to me. At this point, it's a bit of a much to do about nothing, potentially, because the pitch looks a bit off, but they've said it's still in good condition to play on. So my view is if the pitch looks a bit naff, but it'll be okay on Saturday and the game's played fine and the, the, the ball runs on it normally, what does it matter? If we get to Saturday and it doesn't play right, then there's a problem, but people already going mad about this that we've ruined the pitch and what are we doing <laughs> but to, you know i don't i'm not a pitch expert it looks a bit naff just now but they're saying that the the guys who installed it have looked at it and it's actually still in a perfectly playable condition question for you how many of our listeners do you think have a degree in agronomy <laughs> didn't even know that was a thing um yes of course I, it is i would i would imagine that every single a uh, professional, full-time groundsman, woman, keeper of football pitches would have some sort of agronomy qualifications. Mm-hmm. Be honest, did you know what agronomy was? No. Okay, so it, it's grassy things. <laughs> it's grassy things. It's it like is. The technical agronomy term. is the science of soil management and crop production. I think very few, there might be one or two, but I think very few of our listeners will have a degree in agronomy, but still think that they are experts by looking at one photo that appeared online of a pitch following the Los Angeles or whoever they were, Philharmonic mm-hmm. Orchestra playing at Tyne Castle. So again, it's it's just it's something else to add to the arsenal of not happy about. It's the dear points of view society 
jumping on a bandwagon when everyone else is annoyed and upset, and it gives them something else to to, to moan about. Look, it's it's not ideal, but if someone has come out who works at the football club and is there on a daily basis and said, you know what, it might not look like it normally looks at the weekend, but we have been assured that it's going to play the way it has played before. That's good for me. They're the experts. They've listened to the people who've been the experts and said, this is what's going to happen. But then you think, nope, I've seen a picture. No happy. <laughs> right. Back to what? Yeah, let's let's. I was determined not to go there, but we have because you Read slipped it. it in. You slipped it in. Um, really, though? Looking, looking at the team. So obviously, John Suter, thankfully, um, will not. Oh, do we? Out. Do we know the update? It'll, he'll miss around three weeks, so Whew. not as bad as first feared. So he could be back playing before the end of August, but it'll be about three weeks. Um, but better and Halkett will play at uh, the weekend, so pretty certain he'll be a back four. Ad White, as you mentioned, is due to start his first competitive game in around thirty-one months. Craig Levine has said he. Might not last 90 minutes. He did play 45 minutes against Glenavon in a friendly. Hearts, I suppose, do have Bobby Burns, who I suppose could come on if A.D. White's tiring. Um, so looking ahead to the team, uh, what I would like to see, certainly going to be back four, is a 4-4-2 stroke 4-2-3-1. So this is what I would like to see is Lamallon goals, Smith, Halkett, Berra, White, um, Walker, Whelan, Irving, Mulraney, Washington, Naismith. I'm putting Whelan in there because... I'm confident we're going to get him, and I think he should be thrown straight in. 38 games for a championship team last season, 90 minutes in an international competitive game in June, 86 caps internationally, could have been playing the Premier League next season, uh, this season, but he's potentially coming to us. If we sign him, I want him in that starting 11. So 4-4-2, but stroke 4-2-3-1, because you could leave Whelan and Irving sitting and make it a Walker, Mulraney and Naismith attacking three behind Washington. Um, One change to that for me. Okay. Uche instead of Mulraney. Naismith coming in off the left, but totally with the rest of your your ten. I, th- I I think we we try and we've got to try and build Uche's confidence, get him a goal, and then I think you, you see the player if you've got, if you start him on the bench to bring him on as a battering ram. I I've seen him enough coming off the bench. Not for me. He's not a sub. He's not an impact sub. He's uh he's a he's a starter, and we'll see how it goes. Now you could say well. Is that not asking enough or too much of A.D. White? Because Naismith is going to come inside quite a lot if he's playing in that kind of left-hand side position. And that, that would leave the flank um, open for A.D. AD White, but it would also leave him maybe pretty tired. I, I understand your formation because that gives you natural width. But you're, you've got natural width there for who? You don't have a target man for Walker or for Mulraney to, to aim for. So I, I think... I think we've probably got nine between us, maybe ten. I did know afterwards that was what I wanted. I did know afterwards that Craig Levine is likely to go with a team that will have Claire and Uche starting. I kind of expect that. The only thing I wasn't sure of would be whether it be Mulraney or maybe a Washington who wouldn't make it. Um, hard for me not to give Washington a chance if he's fit, personally speaking. I think he... Looked very good. Obviously, maybe not quite as an impact as Naismith, but I thought he was a big part of why the complexion of the game changed against Aberdeen. And I think having some more players around him in a top-flight game, I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops. I, I agree I agree with you. I think Uche will probably play. 
Um, and although I've said I want Wheeler to play, he hasn't signed for Hearts yet at the time of recording. No, he, but play him anyway. And even if he does, I still think that Levine will probably start with Claire at the weekend. But so, so Sean Claire and I'm I'm thinking about this. Uh, Sean Claire and, and Glenn Whelan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Claire Claire's not the hard carrier. He's he just tries to sort of be creative with the placement of the bricks. That that Whelan's done all the hard work. Um, he, he doesn't really have any interest in doing the heavy stuff, Claire. He, he's happy to be the, the creator. That's that's why, for me, that pair doesn't work. If Whelan signs before Harren gets back, I, I, I'm with you on the... Because the, I thought Irving was, was slightly better than, than Claire at the weekend. Yeah. I, if everybody's fit, I'm probably not playing Claire because I still am... I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing it from him. Um... I think he's probably this might be a better game for him. In the, the we've said before about when when we're not expected to win, but when we're expected of more of the ball, you would want him to take the bull by the horns and, and get the ball and go and create. Maybe, maybe another change I would I would have, and it would it would strictly be a last chance saloon for me because I've seen absolutely nothing in that central role. From from Sean Clare that makes me think he's he's a first name on the team sheet. I just don't think it works in there. It might work elsewhere, but so far I haven't seen it. But I would try it. I would probably try as a one-off with Whelan to see if it works, to see if Whelan can be the hard carrier, to see if Clare can be creative with the bricks that Whelan has brought in. And if it doesn't, I know we've not got much of a, a, a kind of test case and that we've only seen him in a few games. If it doesn't work for me, he's either tried elsewhere or, or he's a he's a sub. So I've, I've um I've, I've got a, 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 I could have said a very inappropriate word. I have a, a cat, a wet cat, has come in from the <laughs> from the <laughs> from the stormy weather. So I don't know what the weather's like over the pond, but it's been thunder um, and lightning and rain here, and. Um, one of our two cats just came in um, yowling and clambering all over the table. So I was slightly distracted there. I think she's going to be quiet so we can end the podcast. Um, not a bear. It's not a bear. She's she's very small. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for that. Um, she's now on the table. Get, get away. Um, anyway, so are you optimistic for the weekend? Yes. Yes, yes. Do you? Yeah, have and I'm. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to. It. I'm, I'm. I'm. Maybe wrongly, but looking at the positives and thinking, yeah, we let's let's hit the ground running. Let's start well. Let's do well. Let's score goals, and let's kick on. Because you know what? And a few people said this last week. There's too much negativity around. Yeah. Let let the negativity be reflective of the negative performance if that exists, but don't try and create a negative performance before a game when there's a chance and a good chance of hearts at home. And I know that the Aberdeen evens bet came in last week. I didn't have a bet on that. I would, I don't want, this is where I'm a bad gambler. I wouldn't put money uh, against my team because I'm stupid like that. If I was a, if I was a proper uh, gambler, I would have, I would have had a decent chunk on Aberdeen even money. I, I didn't. And I, I've got no interest in making money at hearts expense like that. And that's that's why I'm a fan and I, I'm not a gambler. This week, haven't checked. Hearts are probably... In fact, you know what? 
Well, Hearts I said, are not far off evens last time I looked, which to me, ooh, that's I, big, again, that's that's a big price. I was thinking four to five, maybe. Might have changed slightly, but they weren't. I think they were about seventeen to twenty when I looked um, previously, but it might have changed. Now, what 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 odds would tempt you to to back Hearts this weekend? I think I think they're reasonably good odds. You'd depends on on how you gamble, but well, someone might ne- want to throw in even a, money. Wow. Someone might want to throw a scorer bet in there, a Naismith and Hearts to win, or um, no, I don't know if we're quite ready for a handicap yet, but um, no, no, but t- but t- ten t- ten to eleven is a fair, I think, more than a fair price. I think that's, I think, I think what we'll do every week going forward is we'll try and pick the value from the odds of the Hearts game. Last week the value was clearly Aberdeen at evens. This week. The value is clearly, for me, hearts at nearly even money, 10 to 11. So, again, if, I, if I'm pricing it up and I don't want to take money on hearts, I'm pricing them at four to five because no one's going to take that because you can get a 10 to 11. Um, I'd probably be longer on Ross County and they're three to one right now. I'd probably go seven to two with them. The draw's five to two. That's probably fair, but I think the value this week is hearts. Last week was Aberdeen. This week, if you're looking for a bit of value with the Hearts, um, again, we, the, the first goal scorer will not know until until kickoff, well, until the the team sheets are out, if there's any value to be to be had there. Um, but yeah, ten to eleven, I think Hearts is your value bet in that game this week. Never bang on that. Well, regardless of um, bets that are placed or what your gambling decisions are at the weekend, let's hope Hearts do open their home account for the season, uh, their home league start to the season anyway, with a good victory against Ross County. We're certainly optimistic about that, and we're hoping that some of the positives that we took from that Aberdeen game, albeit a defeat to Aberdeen, can now turn into results on the pitch. And we're hoping for some goals and more positivity for us to chat about next week. Um, So, homework from Mark this week is goals that you have missed uh, because you were, does it have to be because you were leaving early or just goals that you missed when you were? No, goals that you missed because that brings in a lot of missed. different things. You might, you, you, you might have missed a big goal because you're away for a pie or away for a pee or, or something like that. Goals you've missed and you wish you'd seen. Yep, good one. So let us know. You can tweet at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. That's another reminder that War of Two Halves has now started at the Edinburgh Festival. It's on daily, half past three, six o'clock and half past eight at Tyne Castle. We highly recommend going to see it. You can uh, visit the website www.waroftwohalves.com or their Twitter account is at Hearts McRae. Really good show uh, playing until Monday the 26th of August. Uh, thanks again to everyone for filling in the surveys. We've got through about a third of them so far. Um, so enjoying the feedback and we will be taking that into account as we progress through the season. Uh, but thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week for um, a victorious, positive, all things are wonderful show. Yes? All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, see you next time. You've nothing to lose, so why not choose to think positive? Whenever my luck is.
I think positive Whenever I'm feeling down and out And don't know what to do I never give way to fear and doubt Cause thinking positive sees me through Whenever my stars are out of sync I think positive